0: What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Report's college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm Matt Miller. It's Monday. It's a fantastic day. That means you're joined by Mello and Connor as well. It's a fantastic day for us. Uh, Some of these coaches, not a fantastic day for Not a great day. Can we
1: call it Black Monday already? I was just going to say Black Monday came early is what it feels like. I, I mean, there's only two openings now, officially, but... The thing that stands out to me is these are two really big openings because you have a franchise with the Browns where there is a lot of promise there. I know Baker Mayfield really had his first awful weekend, but there's a lot of promise there. And the Packers are such a great franchise that I I think
0: that's going to be a very favorable job. Yeah, it is going to be a favorable job. We're going to get into it, talk about Mike McCarthy. This is such a big show because we're at this time of year where it's. Like It's draft season for so many teams. Pour one out for my Niners. It's college football playoff time. It's Heisman time. We're going to get into that. We're going to give you our award winners. We're going to officially vote for the Heisman. Those ballots are due as we're recording on Sunday. We'll close it out with your draft on draft questions, guys. But we do have to start the show with the biggest news. It came out Sunday right before we sat down to record. Mike McCarthy's fired. And I was saying to you guys before we pushed record tonight. I don't even we don't need to talk about the why we know why you have Aaron Rodgers and you've won one Super Bowl and you just lost to the Arizona fucking Cardinals. Like you lose to the Cardinals, Not great. Not great. We know why he's fired. I think what insight we can offer fans is more of what now? Who are the candidates? What should they do to change things up to maybe finally maximize Aaron Rodgers is 34 years old? He's 35 t- today 30, yeah, oh, this oh, weekend 35 this weekend. Well, happy fucking birthday. And I guess we know what the yeah. Packers got. We him got, for got this you birthday. a new coach, <laughs> but he is at the twilight of his career. I mean, unless he's going to Tom Brady, this thing. So how do they maximize on the next five years of his career? I would imagine that Lincoln Riley is getting plenty of phone calls from a Green Bay's
2: area code right I'm now. I'm sure that his phone is already ringing because they're going to want to pair Aaron Rodgers up with somebody that's going to make him happy. I don't know who it is. His own brother can't make this guy happy, but they are going to look for somebody, and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a say, and maybe not a great say, but a little bit of a say in who they bring in there.
0: I would.
1: I, I think you're yeah, right. It's, it's wild to think Lincoln Riley is only uh, three months older than Aaron Rodgers when you look at that but I think it's going to be a question of what jobs will Lincoln Riley be willing to leave for I think there's a chance with this one I've kind of thought all along it's only Dallas but with Green Bay I think there's at least a sliver of hope unlike when you look at like the Jets and Browns I don't think he would go there at all I go back to Bruce Arians a lot it depends you know do they want to go in this three-year window and pair Arians and Rodgers. It depends how they feel. There's so many variables. That's an interesting with this job.
0: That's an interesting option, though. And I think let's this is stick to football. We don't sugarcoat things here. Mello alluded to it. Aaron Rodgers can't even get along with his own family. And I've had people tell me in the NFL of ah, If you're Lincoln Riley, do you want to go somewhere where if you piss your quarterback off, he's not going to play for you and you're going to get fired. I think that's a realistic thing that we have to talk about with Rodgers is he needs to have input in this. He almost has to be able to vouch for whomever this next coach is going to be. That is inc- an incredible amount of pressure and decision-making ability he has that I can't imagine anyone other than like Tom Brady would have this say and who their next coach is. And I don't know, as we've said before, who are the good coaching candidates out there on the offensive side? If it's not Lincoln Riley, who's going to have a slew of offers, and we've all heard the only place he would go is Dallas in the NFL. and. Where do you go? John D. Philippe? He's not he's not doing that great with the Vikings.
1: No shot. Him and LaFleur, I think, have completely taken themselves out of head coaching candidacy. Yeah, I,
0: I I was never on the LaFleur bandwagon. I like the,
2: yeah. I like the Arians thing, actually. I, I know that he's been rumored to like go to Cleveland, but I think that was before this job came up, and he's a guy who he's not gonna speak about somebody else's job. Now that this is open, I think that him and Aaron Rodgers could work together because Arians, he's not going to put up with his bullshit. That's true. He's going to be able to handle Aaron Rodgers, but I also think that there's enough mutual respect there that they could actually work well together.
0: Yeah, it is going to be fascinating. You know, the top candidates out there, obviously Arians, Lincoln Riley, um, Dan Campbell, who's with the New Orleans Saints. He's their tight ends coach, but he's had a, a his hand all over that offense. Matty Campbell at Iowa State, the head coach. We've talked about him. I don't buy D fleep. I think John Harbaugh is not the type of guy they would want to go after. I think they're probably gonna, like we've said, try to go after more of an offensive mind. But how about this pairing? Josh McDaniels. He is gonna be super selective about where he goes. And one thing I've I've heard overly selective. Overly yeah. like he might select it and then deselect then it. change his mind. We've all been there. Yep. One thing I heard, I, I wrote a story over the summer and it was reporting on uh what happened with the Patriots. You know, where where are they going from here? And one thing I continually heard was that McDaniels has been so advised by Belichick to be smart about ownership. So you need to go smart with a good ownership base. The Packers, famously owned by the town, but they do have a good ownership group. The team president there is very stable. They don't fire coaches. There's a long leash, and you already have a quarterback. And I I think that's what McDaniels is looking for is a, a solid offensive situation but they, they have a good young defense. They're going to have some salary cap space to spend. And you also have a young GM whose name we can't pronounce that it seems like he's going to be more aggressive. If I'm the Packers, realistically speaking, Josh McDaniels is my number one candidate. And I think you're right in the fact that he's
2: going to be super selective. Uh, hindsight, maybe he should have taken that Colts job. But you're right. And just Aaron Rodgers, and he's a great uh, selling point for the Packers. But you're also the Green Bay fucking Packers like that sells itself. You're probably the most historic franchise in all of the sport. So I think that McDaniels is going to take a look at that and say, okay, maybe I'm not waiting around for old Bill to just leave. He's not pissed off anymore this year. So the Green Bay Packers could make an offer that I think McDaniels will at least listen to.
1: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I think McDaniels would go there if I was the Packers. I wouldn't want him. I wouldn't want to invest in the time of questioning if he's committed to that franchise with all the you know, back and forth he's played over the years. And to be honest with you, I just simply like the other candidates better at this point, whether it is pulling Matt Campbell out of Iowa State, I think there's more promise from him. Even a guy like John Harbaugh, I think is just an overall better CEO of a team. And then you go out and you find the right offensive coordinator that Aaron Rodgers can essentially pick. So there are so many variables with this job, guys, and it's really gonna set the tone for a lot of these openings, I remember when me and Matt about a month ago did the head coaching offseason preview show. I think we went through about nine potential openings.
0: Yeah, we did. There were about nine openings. Now we got two of them confirmed. And after some of the, the way we saw teams play today, uh, especially my there's 49ers, my goodness, there's gonna be some more openings. One bit where we thought we were going to open the show, guys, We we talked about it for two days. We thought we were going to start here. And then, as always happens, news hap- news comes in, things change. Who's going to win the Heisman Trophy? I thought we had it locked up. I thought we knew. I was telling y'all uh, while I was in the drive-thru at KFC not getting biscuits <laughs> that a, a voter called me last night panicking. He's like, I thought I knew who to vote for. I thought Tua had it in the bag. But then he gets hurt today, and Kyler Murray balls out, beats Texas, wins the the, the Big 12, gets into the playoffs, So does Kyler Murray deserve the award? I think there's a split vote even within this office, but I think that's an interesting question of does Tua getting hurt or trying to play hurt, should that affect him winning the Heisman? And I think that's almost like your philosophical starting point of, you know, it's like the little tree, like the decision tree. Does it hurt his stock? If yes, you're probably going to vote for Kyler Murray. If no, you still vote for Tua. And I think this was Tua's award to
2: lose. And he might have done it on Saturday because he did not play well and he did not finish the game, which hurts his stock. But also Jalen Hurts comes in and proves that this Alabama team can roll, even if they do have a running back who's playing quarterback this year. And Tua has been he's been great. He was my Heisman vote, maybe up until this weekend. But Jalen Hurts comes in. He proves that Alabama is just a great team. So I don't know if Tua is going to get those votes. And a lot of people did save their vote for maybe after the championship games. And I hate Kyler Murray. But that dude can play some football.
0: He can play some football. And I think I know Connor has been his biggest supporter uh, now that you're an Oklahoma fan. Uh, You're you're definitely in front of the sky. But I think this is an important thing to say. Uh, And I saw Melo tweeted about it over the weekend we were wrong mellow about kyler murray we heard there was a quarterback battle there and all we had seen was this dude at AM where he sucked he was uh, not yeah, good i didn't he think he was very good at all at a and and then credit to lincoln riley credit to kyler murray even if he does not win it this year like he deserves some accolades i've never seen someone
2: so small throw the ball so hard
1: I agree. Until Tariq Cohen threw a
0: touchdown against the Giants, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> God, they're but, about
2: the same size. But Russell oh, Wilson God. is.
0: But Russell Wilson has the largest hands I've ever seen oh. on a quarterback. And, and this is and a, a
2: build against Kyler Murray. I know that we've talked a lot of shit on him, especially me. He's very talented at throwing the football. His height, though, I bet he's a legit five foot ten. I don't think he's yeah, five agree. eleven and some change. Like Baker Mayfield, six foot on the nose. I really think Kyler Murray is more 5'9", 5'10". Very talented player. Uh, He's not going to get my Heisman vote. I am going to give it to Tua. But I definitely think that Kyler Murray, he earned himself some votes. Some first place votes. I just don't think it's going to be enough for him to overcome Tua. Connor, who's your vote for, buddy?
1: Uh, Two things on the Heisman vote. One, the people that voted before the weekend, 10% of the voters voted before championship weekend. That's disgraceful. It's an absolute joke. I have no idea how your mind was that made up at that point. I'm with you guys where before the weekend I was leaning to it was hard to argue against Tua. my Heisman vote is for Kyler Murray. I think he New does York more in Oklahoma
2: him. bias. <laughs> he
1: does. <laughs> we he does put up more with that more for his team. And guys, listen to this. Kyler Murray finished with 702 more rushing yards than Tua a tongue and Baker Mayfield won the Heisman last year with 42 regular season touchdowns. Kyler Murray just finished with 51. I just, I, the Oklahoma defense is honestly pathetic at times. What this guy does for Oklahoma is way more than what Tua does for Alabama. Tua is throwing to three receivers that are going to be drafted. At least two of them are going in the first round, I believe a first round tight end in Irv Smith, a first round tackle in Jonah Williams. I love Tua. I think he's going to be an awesome 2020 prospect. I can't vote for him for the Heisman. When you separate the two just as players and how they impact the game single-handedly, Kyler Murray is the Heisman
0: trophy winner. So here's my argument for Tua. It's not like... Kyler Murray's thrown a scrubs. Ceedee Lamb is a baller. Marquise Brown, they're great. Pretty fucking good at football. They're too. Great offensive line. Great offensive well. line. Great schemer. And I would say the reason that Tua doesn't have the rushing yards is because he doesn't have to. So when you really have Harris, a knee. and Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs, you don't have to run the
2: ball. I'm going to talk about Tua's knee until somebody finally comes out and just <laughs> like, yes, this is fucking. It has Lance to be a problem. Harbor.
0: It has to be a problem. He's gimping around in the backfield. That the ankle's messed up. This is not me being uh, just a Texas homer because I thought Baker should have won it last year. I, I said that for probably two months. Baker should win the Heisman. He was the best player in college football last year. I, I just firmly believe that if it goes to the best player in college, it should be Tua. And Kyler Murray should be second. I don't even think we need a third guy there. Like, I no, don't... Haskins
2: has done a lot of really good things, and he's probably going to finish third in the standings. But no, I, if he gets a first-place vote, Dwayne Haskins, then something. It's from Eddie George. And and, you know, another thing I want to bring up about the Heisman why are we still voting for this in December? These guys have two more games to play in the national championship, and we're already determining who the best player is. This should go all the way. If their stats count during bowl games and the national championship, move the fucking award so that we're voting for this. After we see the national I championship.
0: I completely agree. We've hey you well, want to talk about Texas yeah. bias. Let's we've talk about seen it. it. <laughs> Reggie Bush should not have won the Heisman that year. Vince Young should have. For two reasons. One, he didn't deserve it. Technically, he didn't even win it. So B, he wasn't eligible. Why can't they do this? What do we got going on in the middle of January? It's all this
2: tradition that says, like, oh, the Heisman's the second weekend in December or whatever. And so they just refused to move it, probably, allegedly. I don't know what it is, but they have to fix it. We have to fix a lot of things going on in college football because the Heisman race, yes, it needs back, move back. But the college football playoff, we're looking Playoffs? at four teams now that are in. We do see Alabama, duh. They didn't even probably have a watch party because they just know. Number one, number two, Clemson, number three, Notre Dame. We all knew that. And everybody that said that Georgia needed to be the number four team. I'm going to come on record and say, fuck that. Oklahoma yes, thank you. is a one-loss team, and I hate their guts, but you can't put in Georgia, who just lost to Alabama. I think you can. We don't want to see that again. You know who's going to win. I know that they're a They had their team. chance.
1: Exactly. I don't, it, that forward, was their so. playoff game and they lost yes, and even worse they lost to a fucking running back playing quarterback <laughs> at the end of the game it, it's
2: like march madness that was your playing game if you wanted your chance to get in then you had to beat alabama and they didn't i think ohio state can make a case for being pissed off they could but that didn't happen they're the number somehow the number six team georgia fell to five but the matchups that we're looking at here i like oklahoma's Chances against Alabama a lot more than I would like Georgia playing them again.
0: Here's the thing. Alabama has always struggled with mobile quarterbacks. Always. It, it has never not happened with Nick Saban there. So that is an intriguing matchup. Clemson, Notre Dame. I don't know if anyone's going to watch. No, I, I don't think it's going to be any good. I don't know if we're previewing I don't so here.
2: Um, but, you know, we got to fix this college football playoff. The four teams. I know in years past, it's been OK. There hasn't been like this uproar. But it's not working. After a couple seasons, it's not working. And there are people out there who have theories, and I tweeted it this weekend, where it would work. Have an eight-team playoff. Totally works. It works with all your bowl games. I know that they are so worried about their bowl games and their money. Duh, you're getting another chance to sell something. A national championship.
0: The Rose Bowl could be a playoff game. The Sugar
1: Bowl. No one wants to play in these meaningless games anyway.
0: These guys are all dropping out. Yeah. uh, they're definitely dropping out. You know, we, we're going to see a lot more. Not only Ed Oliver's not going to play in the bowl. Uh, I've, shit, I've had players ask me uh, this weekend. Yeah, I hey, mean, Williams like? just declared I'm sure yeah. that he doesn't play in the bowl. And I don't hate him for it. Yeah, there's no no reason. Uh, I will say this. We can disagree about Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma. I'm just glad Central Florida isn't in there. <laughs> I retweeted it today, and I was waiting for someone from Bleach Report to call me and be like, take that retweet down. It was a girl who tweeted. She's like, "I just wish UCF had got in, so they could have got their asses kicked, and finally they would be done crying." Like, I kind of agree. Like, I almost do too. Like, like they're just like the mouthy kid who's like, "Okay, yeah. fine, just somebody just kick his ass, so he will shut up." That's right. UCF right
2: now. Yeah, and I agree with you too. I love UCF. I even like the fact that they declared themselves national champs last year. I guess they'll maybe be back to back this year, but they just they weren't one of the top four teams. And argue what you want about Georgia. They were, they're they not better than Oklahoma. They're not better than Ohio State, I don't think. They might give them a run for their money, but I think they're going to lose to LSU in the bowl game. So I'm glad to see we don't have USF in there.
1: And guys, one more thing on the eight-team argument. I had somebody tweet at me today, and I completely agreed with them. They said, it doesn't matter how many teams you go to, people will always be unhappy. But the reason to me, and I know you guys agree with this, that the eight-team format actually does make sense is because you have the power five conference champions and then the three other teams yeah. that are the best exactly. in football. And I, that'll still create debate. But if you win your conference, you're in and, and that's all the motivation you should need because then it goes back to killing the argument of saying, well, you didn't win your conference. That's all you have to say. And so I understand some Ohio state fans might be a little upset that they're not in and they had a really you know rough month, only the big loss to Purdue. But when it comes down to it, did we feel this Ohio State team was really better than Oklahoma? No. But you can sit there and say, well, they won their conference. So that's to me
0: while the 18 team format actually does work out so much better. And the 18 team format works out this way, guys, because I would love to see Alabama beat the shit out of UCF. <laughs> it's award season, not just the Heisman. There's a lot of awards that get handed out. Maybe even the stickies might be coming soon. Listener awards think it's gonna happen the people keep asking for it we might as well just sit down one day and decide it feels like a friday maybe show. maybe send
2: us in some ideas on like what do you want to win an award for yeah or leave it on your itunes with a five-star review because we haven't done that in a minute most annoying listener
1: we need trophies too Damn. to mail to everyone and maybe go on ig live oh. so we, we need some time
2: for that one we just mail everyone a stick Oh, just like the we go out and... That I have a so lot of good. trees. Connor, I don't know if you can find sticks in New York or if you're allowed <laughs> nope. to take them from the park. <laughs> nope. But Matt and I will find just like a stick and mail it
0: we'll to someone. We'll get 12 sticks. We'll make this thing happen. We have some real awards, though, that are going to be handed out. We're going to give you our, uh, our award winners. And let's start with the Danny Warfel, which I love. It's like, is this award for being good in college and shitty in the NFL? I don't know. I don't actually know what the Warfel is. You guys tell me it has something to do with being... Uh, charitable charitable i guess
2: i don't know community service award
1: Uh, it's like a character kind of award
2: what did danny warfel do to have an award named after him for this
0: we we need to look it up like
2: i'm gonna work done is a guy who does so much community service he doesn't have this award named after him but danny warfel does Uh, and somebody on twitter is gonna come at me and be like oh danny warfel has built seven schools (laughs) and single-handedly
0: saved Louisiana from
2: Hurricane Katrina. So Thank if you, he did <laughs> good on you, sir, I just
0: I am not aware right. of the work Danny Worfel's doing. Yeah, we'll call it the J.J. Watt yeah. work done award. Uh, I'm giving this award to Purdue quarterback David Blow. I think Bluff Blow Blow David Blow. Yep. Here's the sole the bl- reason the Blow Plow. The only reason I'm giving David Blow this award when Jeff Brom stayed at Purdue as head coach, he tweeted out and it's a picture of Jeff Brom laughing and he like captioned it like what are you laughing about coach and he said at Dan Durkic being wrong yeah so I'm giving David Blau an award David Blau thank Unreal. you for your service <laughs> love it because I hate Dan Derkic. and I'll uh, roll with the, you yeah
2: I don't even yeah. know what these kids are doing I'm assuming that they're doing great things in their community because they they're up for an award uh, so sure the Purdue quarterback can win it
1: yeah so part of this trophy is for academic excellence and there's some character involved I gave it to Drew Tranquil who graduated last May in mechanical engineering and keep in mind, this is a guy also that tore his ACL in back-to-back years at Notre Dame yep. and has come back and, and just really been an impressive leader. He even said it. He said, I'm 23 in that locker room with 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. I'm the old guy. Every great football team needs a guy like this. And that's
0: probably why, Notre, you know, just a small piece of why Notre Dame went undefeated this year. Yeah, And we're going to see him at the Senior Bowl. So I'm excited for that. The Chuck or this is basically the defensive Heisman is the way I would say it. It's awarded to the best defender in football. We've seen some great players in the past win this, and there are some very good candidates this year. To me, it boiled down to, actually, fun fact, the guy who won this, this is a fairly new award. I can remember when it came out, because Pat Fitzgerald won it in back-to-back years. Oh, damn, And look at him now. And look at him now, he's the coach at Northwestern. The Narek Award, where are they now? Coaching at their alma mater. Yeah, so... Won it the first and second time. That's a fun fact for you. Uh, last year, Minkovitz Patrick took it home. The year before that, Jonathan Allen took it home. I'm just going to keep it in Alabama. Give that thing to Quinnen Williams. He might not have the most amazing stats, but I think impact-wise, he has had the best year. Uh, it, obviously, uh, there's some great players out there in college football this year. You guys are both voting for... Probably my favorite player, not the top rated, but just favorite player in this draft class.
2: Yeah, and you went from Jonathan Allen. I'm just going to change the spelling a little bit. I'm going with Josh Allen. I think that he's been a standout in Kentucky. Um, he doesn't have a whole lot of help around him, and that's why I went with him. He's still doing things. He's disrupting the game, and he doesn't have a ton of five-star guys on the line with him, helping him out like Quinnen Williams does. That's not a knock on Quinnen. I still love his play. I'm just going to give my vote to Josh Allen.
1: Yeah, I'm with Mello on this one. I was actually shocked. This is like Matt's favorite player this I know. year. I don't. And he didn't. He's the only one of us three that didn't <laughs> give him the award. I, I'm with Melo that Josh Allen's been awesome this year. He's somehow, you know, done more with less. And it, he's another
0: guy, leader of that team. A great season for Josh Allen. Yeah, 18 and a half tackles for a loss, 14 sacks. He is. You're right. I gush about him every chance I get. Uh, I guess I just really like Quentin Williams. The Fred Belitnikoff Award. This goes to the best receiver in college football. And my guy, my dude, Andy Isabella, hopefully this whole thing makes it. I don't actually accidentally mess up and have to restart on the show. And maybe it gets <laughs> cut. Maybe it doesn't get cut. We'll find out. But I love Andy Isabella. His production this year has been just off the charts good. And he's hidden at UMass. And a lot of people are not going to pay attention to a guy who's playing way up there. But 101 catches, almost 1,700 yards and 13 touchdowns for him this year. He is just a playmaker for UMass, so i got to give him the award.
2: And I agree with you, too, and a lot of people are going to say, oh, he plays at UMass, but you know what? This dude had 15 catches against Georgia, who also has some award winners and some guys up there on their def- in their defensive secondary. So he's doing a lot of great things. I just liked him a lot more than some of the other guys. Um, I know Connor might disagree with this here, and I like Jerry Judy. I just thought that Andy Isabella was a more dominant receiver this year.
1: I can't wait to see Isabella down at the senior bowl. I know that's one of the guys that Matt talked up for our early accepted invites list. I did go with Jerry Judy here. I think he's the best wide receiver in college football amongst a lot of really good players. But I mean, when you look at what he does and this also kind of fits my why Kyler Murray should be Heisman winner instead of Tua uh, Jerry Judy is really that piece of
0: the Alabama offense. He yeah. really is. And he went, I mean, there we saw in the, cam- the conference championship game, they needed a big play. They went to Jerry Judy. Uh, and the fact that he has over a thousand yards on 56 catches speaks to just how dominant he is as a player. Um, I just, I went to the senior candidate over the underclassmen. Uh, we got the Maxwell award. There's actually a couple quarterback awards. You have the Maxwell, and then you have the Davey O'Brien, um, which has always been weird to me. That they need two of them. Um, well, uh, the there's Maxwell's also the, the
2: Johnny Unitas award right. that goes to I, senior
0: quarterback. Technically, but. the Maxwell is the best College football player, is that what it is now? I think it is. I think it is, yeah. Yeah, but it's always a quarterback. And it's going to be a quarterback for me this year. Last year it was Baker. year before that was Lamar Jackson. For me this year, it's going to be our guy Tua.
2: And I'm going with Tua as well. And part of the reason is these guys just pick who they think the Heisman winner is. And then they give that guy an award. It seems like that's always the case. (laughs) So the Maxwell guys, they're just going to be like, "Um, who's winning the Heisman? Okay, let's go ahead and give it to Tua as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I have no fancy reason for voting Kyler for both Maxwell and Davey O'Brien. It's that if he's winning the Heisman, he has to win the Maxwell and Davy O'Brien. Just yeah, like yeah, you
0: guys I, have, And Tua. I agree with that, you, too. Exactly. And that's the Davey O'Brien. We could jump right into it. It is the same thing. It goes to the best quarterback in the country. Uh, my bad on that. It is, it's the same thing. Like If you feel like Kyler should win the Heisman, he should win both of these awards. There's there's no other way to look at it. And in, in other years, it's like, oh, it's a running back. Okay, well, then whoever wins the Doak Walker also wins the Heisman. It's pretty cut and dry. So we'll just go ahead and close the book on the Maxwell and the Davy O'Brien and get to a fun award, the Outland Trophy for the badasses up front. This is for the best linemen. So offensive line or defensive line, I'm going to give it to the same guy that won the Bednarik, and, and Williams just what he does in the middle of that Alabama defense is so important. And I think you can watch every game they played this year. Yes, their offense was dominant, but not only did they outscore people, they shut folks down. And what he is able to do, number 92 in the middle of the defense, frees up everything else. Like The whole defense, I feel like, runs through him. So Quentin Williams going to take home some trophies.
2: And I'm in agreement with you here. Um, the Outland Trophy for interior alignment. I don't think anybody else is really even – Uh, contending for this award with him. Josh Allen is ineligible for it. Um, I know Jonah Williams, he's a candidate for it. He's played very well. I would argue that he's not an interior lineman. He's an outside lineman. He's a tackle. Does that not count? I think they just,
0: if you're an offensive lineman. Just offensive lineman,
2: yeah. And then Christian Wilkins, he's been very good as well. He even plays offense. But this award is for defensive interior linemen. I'm going with Quentin Williams. Nobody has played like him this year on the interior of that defensive line.
1: Yeah, this, this boat's a no-brainer. It's and Williams. He's been unblockable all year, and he'll continue to do so until being a top-five pick in a couple months. Yeah, and now
0: some fun. We get to talk about one of my favorite positions, the defensive backs, and I'm going to go with the guy who actually declared for the draft today, Greedy Williams out of LSU. 6'3", buck 85. He looks like he's going to be a top-10 pick at corner. This is about how he did in college, though. I know the numbers weren't always great with Greedy, but People did not throw at him the respect that he had at the corner position uh, really kept quarterbacks from going his way because in 2017 he had six interceptions. So this year they're like, fuck that. We're not throwing at him. He only had two this year. He did have nine passes defensed, but uh, he, he looked very, very good this year. And I, maybe it's because I'm a draft guy and I'm overvaluing what he is as a prospect, but I absolutely love Greedy.
2: And I think he is a great prospect. Uh, I'm not voting for him. I think he'll be the number one corner taken in the draft. But as far as college football goes, you're right. People just stayed away from his side of the field, which is why I'm not giving him this award. I'm actually going to go to Julian Love from Notre Dame. He has been great all season long, and he actually played a little bit more in the run game than I think Greedy Williams did. Neither of them have a lot of interceptions this year. I think it's two versus one here. But I'm going with Julian Love because he does add in some run game support.
1: Julian Love has been awesome this year. We got getting to see him at Yankee Stadium against Syracuse. Just such a good, reliable slot corner. He tackles so well. Another leader on that team. I love that pick. I did a write in here. Uh, you want to you talk cheated. about the best the, DB in I the would country? Agree with you. <laughs> it's Grant Delpit. Tell me I'm wrong. Like, I don't know how he's not nominated for this, how one of his teammates is. I guess Seniority. I, I don't know. I just I'm writing in Grant Delpit. If the award is for the best defensive back, that's the best defensive back yeah, and in college football,
2: right? And that is the award, best defensive back. I don't see they not seen.
1: Yeah, it's not DeAndre Baker is the
2: other guy who they right. nominated, but Grant Delpit has been the most fantastic, maybe even defensive player all year, and he's not even up for the Thorpe Award. I, I don't understand. I would it. even
1: get Taylor Rapp in this conversation. Oh, like, I like I don't, Taylor Rapp. You know what I mean? Like it's just I didn't really understand the candidates for this award. It's almost
2: like they decided just like who are the top three corners in the draft? Let's That's get it. those guys. Well, miss they miss Byron, so. Byron Murphy. And then you yeah. miss
0: Byron Murphy. So and you, I actually like J.R. Bleed Rui. at Georgia a lot too. Right. Yeah. Like I I think I there's know. a couple other really good guys you can get in there. This is why we should be on all these committees. So we uh, exactly. Like, football. If you're
2: not going to give us a Heisman vote, at least let us vote for the Thorpe Award.
0: That's, I think that's never going to happen at this point. Uh, a couple more awards to get to the joke Walker. This goes to the best running back in college football. I've said this on the show. I've written about it. The fact that Jonathan Taylor this year is having the season that he's having at Wisconsin and no one is talking about it is amazing to me. He has 280 carries, 1,989 yards, 15 touchdowns now yes, he does have quite a few fumbles that will scare me when it comes time to talk about him as a draft prospect But just watching this dude play and I know he has a great offensive line in front of him Wisconsin being bad should not take away from how good Jonathan Taylor is and I think that's what's happening He's actually having a better year this year than he had last year as a freshman when everyone was like smoking the guy So I'm excited about Jonathan Taylor headed into 2019 I think he's the Doke Walker winner. Award Doke Walker Award winner. That's a mouthful. That's a tough one. Phew.
2: That's what she said. Uh, I'm going to agree with you here. The guy has two hundred and eighty carries so far this year, and he's averaging over seven yards a carry. He's gonna break two thousand yards. He's at nineteen eighty-nine right now and fifteen touchdowns. He's progressed, and like you've said, no one's talked about him since Wisconsin lost. But I, I do think there are some other good candidates out there because. Jonathan Taylor's offensive line is still very, very good, but I don't think you can fault him for that here with this award.
1: Yeah, I think Daryl Henderson, you know, the other finalist here, averaging 8.9 yards a carry is absurd, but I voted because I'm an ETN homer for Travis ETN. Uh, It was just easy as that. He's averaging over eight yards a carry. I feel like he's the unsung hero of the Clemson football season because this is a Clemson team that when they lost their quarterback to injury against Syracuse, should have lost that game. And thanks to this guy, they didn't. And that's why they went undefeated. They really just relied on him week after week after week. I think I agree with you guys. Jonathan Taylor has been absolutely incredible this season, but just to put the spotlight somewhere else, it's been a really special year for the other underclassmen back in ETN.
2: Doesn't and it? Sorry, go ahead, Mel. I don't disagree with you there either because I think if you were going to go with a Heisman candidate at running back, I wouldn't vote for Jonathan Taylor. I would vote for Travis Etienne. But for the Doak Walker, I think it's just you'd look at running back. Etienne's been so valuable to that team, and they wouldn't be in the playoff without him.
0: And what I was going to say, I'm actually glad you said that, Connor, because the whole Clemson team, it feels like they're so far under the radar this year. Like Trevor Lawrence is playing amazingly. T. Huggins is going to be a first-rounder next year when he's eligible. Etienne's a baller. And their defense is really good. We just like we haven't even had time to talk about them in the last thirteen weeks because of like Alabama, LSU, Georgia, all the Texas shit we have to talk about. Like Clemson is, we're gonna see Alabama, Clemson. I think in the national championship game, and I can't wait. I think that game could be pretty fucking good. I'm going.
2: I'm going for Clemson. I'm rooting won? interest. I'm going for Clemson. I want to see them win. I think they're a great team. And you're right. They've been very just. Under the radar, they're going to come in as a probably huge underdog against Alabama. And I think they roll past Notre you Dame. You just love Trevor Lawrence. I have a complete 180 <laughs> on Trevor Lawrence. I thought he was an idiot and I hated his hair. So I had like a bias against <laughs> him.
0: But that dude can play. You'll never know what it'll be. Like, he's an idiot and I hated his hair. It can be that simple. It really, I know. I get it. Yeah, I've not liked guys because the number they wear before Philip yeah. Rivers. I mean, that's my reason I like Philip Rivers. You don't like seventeen? Nope.
2: I love Philip Rivers. I like the guy also. who
0: started ahead of me at safety in high school wore seventeen, and no. I didn't like him. Well, he turned out to be a douchebag, so so I don't like the number seventeen. <laughs> this is like that's all it is. I was a sophomore. He was a senior. He started at free safety. It was really good. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like number 17. we
2: so many hints for everybody <laughs> from our hometown
0: yeah, to figure they know this who it out. Is. Yeah. Yeah. They all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> the Mackey Award goes to the best tight end. And I just am surprised at the players who were on this list, actually. This was the hardest it's one for weird. me to pick. It's this a little like weird. <laughs> no, no offense. No Irv Smith. Exactly. And that's
2: like, what I'm supposed to vote for. Like, yeah. And you have a teammate here, TJ Hawkinson. He's up for the award. We all three voted for him. Um, but I I don't want to speak for you guys, but I would have voted for Noah Fant if Same. he were nominated. I don't know why he wasn't. Their numbers are comparable, except for one of them. Maybe didn't see the field as often as he should have this year.
0: Yeah. So it's TJ Hawkinson, Albert uh, Okabugnum, and Caden Smith.
2: Great tight ends, yeah. But, but I would have voted for Noah Fant, but he's not here, so I'm
0: voting for the other. And then Iowa I would tight have voted end. for Irv Smith second. Yeah, like that was my pecking order. It's so weird. Some of these finalists just don't
1: make sense. I, I don't understand. Like, what's really interesting with the and I'd love to learn more about this from the people. But these committee, there's committees for these awards. Sometimes when you go to the games in the press box, they have people in the press box there right. to yeah. do the award like watch list into the semifinals and then the finalists.
2: If it's just, the John Mackey Award, like are they really taking into account blocking? No, they're I not guess. because the Missouri tight end is there. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't know. I don't understand it either. You say it's the most outstanding tight end. There are some really good candidates here. This is one of the best tight end groups we've seen in recent history, and you kind of left some guys off there. They must factor in academics. That's all I can think of here. But it's weird. Mark Andrews won it last year, so probably not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's draft on draft time. I uh, whew, We rushed in here tonight, and I don't have anything to... Connor, are you drinking tonight? No, not tonight. I had a long weekend. Same. Uh, there we go. <laughs> uh, draft on draft time. You guys sent in a ton of great questions. And I, I know we talked about this before. I promise very soon there will be a full draft-on-draft draft episode. Uh, it's probably going to be the middle of December because I have some vacation time coming up, and just as the craziness gets here before uh, Christmas, we'll most likely do a draft-on-draft-only episode. So keep sending those questions in on Twitter, Reddit, Instagram. If we can't get to them, uh, we'll find ones that are still you know relevant at the time and, and try to get them all answered. So first question from Juanis18, sent this one in. What do you guys think about the Chiefs releasing Kareem Hunt? I personally think it's the right call, and maybe they get a David Montgomery in the late first. Curious about what you guys think, love the show from, and you put the flag of a country, and I'm I'm great at geography. I don't know what that flag is. Please tell us the name. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> it's like, I'm not good with emojis because I'm old. Right, and they're so small. It's hard to see. Yeah, I don't know is. what to do. Uh, so this is a very serious question, and something that I'm glad we get a chance to talk about on the show. I am proud of the chief for releasing Cream Hunt, and I understand some people feel like there's a double standard here because they employ Tyreek Hill and they released Kareem Hunt. I I don't know that we need to get into why those are different situations. You can read my tweets about it if you want. They are different, though. Uh, What I was told by someone in the Chiefs organization is that when this happened in February, they talked to Kareem, and he said that it was not what it was, and that the NFL forbids teams from talking to witnesses because then they could allege witness tampering. So the Chiefs were not allowed to do their own investigation into what happened. They didn't have the video. Video came out. They made a very strong stand against this. I think we're all three in favor of if you touch a woman, you should not play football. And yeah, he and touched he, a woman.
2: I agree with you here. And the, being the serious part, that's kind of the hard part for me here. But you're right. He touched a woman. He went to attack her. I had a lot of people in my mentions saying, well, oh, he barely kicked her. But he did kick her. So you have to get rid of him. You have to cut him. There's just a no nonsense in the league. That's the way that it should be. If you strike a woman or, you know, let's not even make it about gender. If you hit somebody, if you attack somebody, you shouldn't be playing in the NFL. So I do think that the Chiefs did the right thing here and cut Kareem Hunt.
1: This was the right call. And it's crazy because you look at a Chiefs team that is expected to be in the Super Bowl this year. This was a bombshell when you talk about, and it really made people wonder, would they actually do it? I thought he would go on like the commissioner's exempt list and, And if you listen to this show, you know, I speak out against any issues like this more than anyone. I don't think Tyreek Hill should be allowed to play in the NFL. I don't think anyone with that kind of background, uh, you know, admitting to striking a woman should be in the NFL. This was on video. And when things are on video for people to see, it does change things. As ridiculous as it sounds, it really does change things. And they had to do this. And I'm glad they did. I don't think Kareem Hunt gets a second chance in the NFL. I think going on ESPN and doing that interview—that was just a nightmare. It, was, it actually it was made not it, a good look. It made it worse. And if you're representing Kareem Hunt and you want to start helping him turn around his character, you had to go on the day after he got cut and right. not even seem prepared to answer the questions.
2: Yeah, I like just if you're going to do that interview, yeah. you have to be more prepared for that. It's I think disgusting. even if you're giving the generic answers that everybody knows is bullshit is going to be better than what he did Sunday morning. It just it was and, not a good yeah. look for him.
1: Yeah, and this I, is going to be fascinating, guys, because is. this is not Ray Rice. Right, he's this good. Is at football. Not, it, yeah. He's really good at football. He's not going to cost anything and he's really young. This is not Ray Rice. This is an ultimate test. We've seen one team fuck it up already with Washington claiming Reuben Foster right away. It's going to be a really interesting couple months ahead.
0: It is, and I think to the second part of your your question here, what do they do? The top ranked running back for me is Damian Harris from Alabama, and I have him ranked number fifty overall. So, and I don't think the Chiefs' background of Andy Reid, Brett Veach, uh, Eric Bieniemy, they're not going to panic and draft a running back early. Remember, Cream Hunt was not a first round exactly, pick. Exactly. Yeah, they're going to be able to find value. You mentioned David Montgomery. He has very good size. He runs with power. He is a good enough receiver out of the backfield that I think he could be a good fit for them I because that's super important.
2: But it comes into value. They do have two second-round picks, so if we can see him fall into the second-round well, he will. I said fall, but I shouldn't have. He'll be in that second-round area. It's just will the Chiefs pull the trigger there? Do they want a second-round running back?
0: And I don't think Rodney Anderson, uh, with all his injury history, this guy who's broken his leg, his neck, uh, he has some off-field stuff, and then he tore his ACL. Like, uh, no, I I would rather go after like a a Daryl Henderson at Memphis. Uh, I don't think I don't know about Benny Snell being a great fit for their scheme. I think Josh Jacobs is the perfect fit. Okay, I agree. I've been told he's not coming out like people at Alabama. I'm in. I have some very good Alabama sources. I mean, you guys have sat at dinner with me with uh, some of them before. They swear he's not coming out. So if he does, he's he's also, that's
2: easy to say early December, like, oh, he's not coming out. Wait yeah. till he gets his grade back and then we'll see what yeah. happens with him.
0: But I agree. He would be a great, great fit. Here's like a wild card one. Not in round two. I actually think Bryce Love would be a fit here. D- not as your only back.
2: Yeah. Not in round two, though. But th- he's a guy like, that could like round fit three. in the Chiefs. He's going to run. Really I don't know. Well if he, We still haven't seen
0: if he can catch well enough. To be that's in the backfield. He's small, he should be able to catch. That's that's like a rule, pretty much. So yeah, if, if you're
2: under six foot tall, you gotta yeah, be able to catch. And
0: some people have said, do they go after Le'Veon Bell? No, I don't think, well, I don't they, think they can afford him yeah, I don't with the salary cap. That. So uh, it will be interesting to watch because it's not a great running back draft, but Andy Reid has always uh, shown that he can find backs in the second round. I and mean, LaShawn McCoy, second round guy. So uh he, he could definitely do it. Next question call me Doogie. All right, Doogie. Since this is an Oklahoma slash Browns podcast, thanks a lot, Connor. God damn it. John Dorsey has been at Oklahoma games two weeks in a row, West Virginia and UT. Which prospects do you suspect he is targeting for the Browns on those three teams? So I, I put this question in here because it's interesting. Like we could talk about prospects, you know, the Browns need receivers. Maybe they're looking at Marquise Brown or Colin Johnson. Maybe are looking at David Sills. But I think people read too much into the schedules of these teams. A lot of general managers, will go to the college game that's just closest to where their team is playing that weekend.
2: Yeah, just where they're at. But I actually, I think you hit the nail on the head here. They would love to pair a great receiver with Baker Mayfield. So you go look at West Virginia. They have two really good receivers. You look at Oklahoma. They have two really good receivers. And oh yeah, Texas has some two pretty damn good receivers as well. So I think it's safe to say that probably John Dorsey targeting a receiver with these two picks if he's targeting Or you're right. He's just in the area and wants to watch some damn good football games.
1: Yeah, I think the wild card in this group is Yadney Kajust on West Virginia. The Browns need a little help on that offensive line. Desmond Harrison has struggled. I think Kajust is a guy that can be a very serviceable tackle, probably a really good guard. So if if you're looking for something a little outside the box there, you probably wanted a second look at him as well, but... I mean, I, I think you guys nailed it. It doesn't just cause the GM goes, it's a little different when a team has their quarterback, right? Like right, everyone yeah, was yeah. tracking Mike McCagnon's roots last year because the jets were clearly looking for a quarterback, no matter right. what, that's not the case with the Browns.
0: Yeah. I think it is. It, sometimes it's fun to play the prospect game or like, you know, the, where the coaches where the GMs, but a lot of times it, 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 there's nothing to it. It's really just about, they they've made this schedule months in advance. Like when, a uh, all the scouts scouts weren't at Alabama LSU, remember? And everybody's like, where the fuck are all the teams? They made that schedule months in advance and they can't go to every game. So you try to just go wherever's close to you. Or like if you're trying to get home for a holiday or a birthday, you're like, oh, let me hit this one and then I'll drive home.
2: And everybody in the NFL is so paranoid. Like they'll politic this thing. Yes. John will. Dorsey will show up at games so people think that they're interested in somebody. When they're not, he'll waste a whole fucking Saturday yep. just showing up in his shorts and his fucking coat. So people will <laughs> say, "Oh, they're, they're looking at receivers like me," and they're not.
0: I can't remember which one of you it was. I was at a game with, and I was. The, you look at like the rundown of who's going to be there, and like, oh, so and sos going to be here, and they never showed up. It, it was like Kevin Colbert, and they do that. They'll like put themselves like credential themselves for a game, and then not show up for it because people will tweet out, "Oh, like Kevin right. Colbert was at this game," and. Teams follow all of us idiots on Twitter. So they're like, oh, Kevin Colbert was at the Louisville game or whatever. And it's like, no, he actually wasn't. But name was on the list. So you're welcome, guys. Uh, so this person's Twitter name. <laughs> Next question. I don't know if it's a typo and they just ran with it. But their Twitter name is lowercase I-T-E-H Sky. So, I like, were they trying to go I-the-sky and just, like, messed it up and get it? Or is it i sky I have no idea. I
2: don't even know what people
0: are doing on Twitter anymore. I spent a long time thinking about that today. (laughs) Big question here, uh, and then he tagged all of us, which I appreciate. Better NFL prospect as a quarterback, Kyler Murray, if he were to play football, hypothetically, or Lamar Jackson? Oof, that's that's not easy. Let me me just piss some people off. If you said better football player, I would say Kyler
2: Murray, but it is draft prospect. That's a good point.
1: Yeah, pure quarterback prospect. I mean, you guys know I liked Lamar last year, and... Uh, he's been used as a pure runner so far which is going to break him in half yeah, and he got that kicked continues. in the head on sunday y- yeah like it's i don't i would like to see him develop as a passer going forward i really like Lamar Jackson so right now i wouldn't put kyler murray ahead of him
2: can i point out before matt goes on his rant that he said nfl prospect as a quarterback. So he doesn't want us to break them both down at receiver. <laughs> he wants to know who's the better prospect at
0: quarterback. Melo can see me and you can't Connor. So he like sees me like gearing up for some <laughs> shit, you know, and it's like, here's the deal. I think they both suck. So <laughs> that's oh just my opinion. I did not like Lamar Jackson. And I, I still maintain that unless there's an offense built specifically for him, he's not going to succeed. And the problem with building an offense for a guy is they have to develop off that point, otherwise defensive coordinators catch up to it. And as we've seen, he is getting the holy shit kicked out of him week in and week out because he is a run first quarterback. Kyler Murray is five foot ten and he probably weighs 170 pounds. He's accurate and his ability to operate in space is fantastic and he is quick. Oh my God, that boy's quick. He he's not an NFL quarterback. Ball, though. I mean,
2: Russell Wilson is probably 50 pounds bigger than him. Oh, if without Russell doubt. Weighs, he's two twenty. First yeah. 170, that's 50 pounds difference and probably at least two inches taller. Kyler Murray, I know, again, talk shit on him. The dude's a great football player. There's a reason why he is going to play baseball.
0: Yeah, I know there have been people saying, oh, if he went to football, he'd be a first-round pick. I don't see it. I really don't. I. He's just so small. And Even trying to compare him to Baker, he's a more explosive athlete. He's probably, like you said earlier, Melo, he's probably two inches shorter and at least— Forty pounds lighter than Baker, yeah. like Baker's a thick dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah just, he looks like a solid two twenty. So if Baker. I had to take one, I'd take Lamar Jackson, but I'd probably also just quit my job and go somewhere else. <laughs> if I had to take one of my quarterback,
1: that was a lot, a lot less firepower than I expected.
0: Was, I just am so defeated by the idea that either of them are a great quarterback, and I hope this is one of the situations where I have to like eat my boot on the podcast eventually. But man, I just don't, I still don't see it. With they, these, I these mean,
2: guys. they both put up ridiculous numbers
0: at quarterback.
2: Yeah. But I mean, if you're talking about how do they play in the NFL? I just don't know that either of them would ever do anything in the NFL. I didn't like Lamar Jackson either,
0: so I don't I don't know. I just don't see it for either one of them. All right, next question. Our buddy Anthony Oreo is back. Hey, Good, to, good to hear from you, old Andy. First time in a long time. Yeah, first time, long time. Uh, I know you guys aren't sold on Bryce Love last season. weren't sold. Excuse me, on Bryce Love last season, and this season obviously hasn't done him any favors. Does a strong combine performance help his stock at all, or is your evaluation complete? Basically, I know, like Connor, we've talked about this quite a bit before. Of yeah, the, like the evaluations are always fluid, but you don't want to oh, you don't want to change your evaluation based on the combine. Like, yes, he's been banged up, but. I have questions about him being banged up. So, like, the, a combine's not going to change that. Like, oh, shit, he's fast? He better be. He's 200 pounds and he plays running back in the Pac-12.
2: Like, I think he'll be a senior bowl guy. I, don't I know bet he doesn't play. Them. Yeah, like, he'll maybe accept the invite, but he's not going to play in that game. But I just, I don't know if there is a way for him to really turn around his stock. There's a lot of bad film out there this year. Then he just he didn't play well, and he's undersized.
1: Yeah, I don't even know if he's going to the senior bowl. I thought he accepted an invite for one of the smaller All-Star oh, games. Oh gosh, that's yeah, how, I didn't even see that. Yeah, I, it was really really under the radar. I'll have to keep an eye on if things change. But that's how fall things. Uh, that's how much things have fallen for Bryce Love last year. Just getting a gauge on where you know league guys had him, probably in the third round. And keep in mind that was a Heisman caliber season. I think he's yeah. got excellent vision. I think he's got really good acceleration. He's small. I don't know how exact how fast he really is. And the problem is, when you're that small and you're getting hurt in college, guess what? You're going to get hurt in the NFL. So it's tough. I, my grade is not solidified on him, but I think he's an
0: early day three guy right now. I think it's so a two. I mean, and we'll see if the, they play in the Sun Bowl. So hey, um, props thrilling. to
2: Anthony Oreo, though. This guy asked for a college team to root for, and he's been hammering us just with Stanford questions all year long. Like he took our advice and ran with it. He is—he's a diehard Cardinal now. Uh, college football is fucking
1: awesome, and I'm glad a lot of our listeners, as we—we we didn't just gravitate to college. Wednesday is super NFL and NFL draft heavy. Friday is super college heavy. This is the blend of the show. But of a, a lot of our listeners have really that didn't like college football have learned to love it.
0: It's and it, this has been a great year for it too. Really, Yeah, it absolutely has been. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I don't know if I actually said this or not. I think Bryce Love is probably like an early day three guy, and I would not let the combine change that unless, no, I just wouldn't. I mean, he would There's have no to unless. just test, like, run a 4-4. I don't like, even know if that four-four. would matter yeah. because, like, weigh in at
2: 200 pounds, and I don't know if both of those things can happen together.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Philip Peoples wants to know. The media state, Jameis, the media states, and sometimes y'all need to like read these questions back before you send them. The media states, your, Jameis Winston yeah. has till the end of the year to audition for the starting job next year. But isn't that the exact short-sighted thinking that keeps franchises like the Bucks behind the rest? Does his four years well, not showing, uh, not show at all? I think it does. And I've said before, God, I butchered that question. I'm sorry, guys.
1: You, you uh, massacred it. Wow. Like
0: into pieces. Basically, he wants to know. Is the four years of shitty football not enough to say Jameis Winston shouldn't <laughs> be the future? Not only is it four years of bad football, it's four years of bad behavior off the field. I've said before, I don't care how good he is at quarterback. There is no way in hell I would build my team around Jameis Winston.
2: No, I would give him like a backup deal with incentive if he would sign that. There's he no won't. way I would give him starter money. And if I'm the Bucks, I'm letting him walk. There's like, no I, way I'd I give him care. guaranteed money. He,
1: Here's the thing
2: with the Bucs that a lot of people have to
1: realize they're going to tear it down there. Probably starting with the front office and staff together. I would assume if you're the new guy going in to run things, are you going to attach yourself to Jameis Winston? I don't think so. No. I think you go get your own guy.
2: Yeah, I, I think they do that too. This isn't maybe the draft for it. Um We'll see. So, so maybe even like you wait though, uh, which maybe you want Jameis for one more year. So you're going to have one a more higher year. Draft That's pay. fine. Yeah. I would. I would probably exercise that fifth year option if you're just tanking pretty much like, I don't think the NFL likes that word and people like to pretend like they're not doing, Sorry, it. but if real. you're going to Buffalo bills, this thing and just <laughs> say, you know what? We're going to punt on next year. We'll find our quarterback in 2020. Then maybe, yeah, you bring in Jameis, but it's a one year deal. You're not going to give him anything more than three.
1: Bryce snow wants to know, are there any prospects in the 2019 draft class? that could have a Tyreek Hill or Tyron Matthew trajectory, elite level talent that for off field concerns could fall in the draft or out of it completely. Uh, and there always is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. It seems like you got one right off the top yeah. of your head. I mean, the one that comes to mind for me is uh, Trevin Hill, the edge rusher from Virginia tech who got kicked off the team right after the old dominion game. Uh, and we have not heard a peep from this dude since. So we'll be curious to see what happens, but, I remember watching him early in the season thinking like, God, this guy looks like he can bend a little bit and he has the right body type. So he's the one for me. It's not like last year where we knew like this guy's going to fail a drug test and those guys fail drug tests. <laughs> like it's, I think it's, this is a cleaner draft class, like quote unquote. Um, but I, I think he's one where you could definitely see him uh, being a, someone who falls because of off field, but is a really good player. Um, Melly, you have one in mind. You're shaking. Your I, head. I don't, I just, I, the off field stuff, it comes
2: late sometimes. Like if you don't know about it by now, then maybe it is going to be something big that happens like draft night when a guy's hitting that mask bong. But I just, I don't know of any other off field guys yet.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you, it happens most when from about January through March, you're tweeting out about a player or talking about him on a show or wrote about him in a piece of content. And this is why it pays to have friends in this industry one of those friends will usually text you and be like, hey, man, I don't know if you knew this. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. simple. As, and I know, Matt, it's a little different for you. I feel like you have a lot more feelers at schools throughout the season most of the time or, you know, scouts on the road. But yes. that's how it'll go very
2: or often. Or wait till a kid declares a little bit earlier than his team thought he would. Oh, and then that head coach goes, oh, yeah, he's a great player. Failed a lot of drug tests here, but he's a great player. Then you'll yep. really get your background report on some of these guys.
0: I think you've literally been sitting with me before when those texts come in like, oh, well, X and yeah. X, and this guy failed three tests or failed nine tests or uh, maybe. And it's always something out in the woods. It'll and beat be the shit those out fringe out of
2: them. guys, like, oh, should he declare? Should he right. go back to school? And then they'll declare. And then, you know, the coaching staff gets pissed off. They wanted him back for that senior season. And so then maybe you'll get some leaked information that you didn't know about when they thought he was going to come back to school.
0: Yeah. I mean, I keep you guys have seen it. Uh, I have a spreadsheet and there's an there's a section for whatever the guys off field is. And just keep track.
2: Even you look at a guy like Ed Oliver and I think we talked about this. I don't know when, but I know Matt and I have. If he didn't declare already, Houston's going to try to keep him happy. They're going to say, come on back for another year. We don't care if you wear a fucking coat on the sideline. Here's two of them. But they knew he was declaring already, so they're going to say, you know what? Fuck that. You can't wear a coat on the sideline. We don't care if we piss you off. You're not part of this team next year.
1: Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's good advice. Like, It was fun when Ed Oliver was just raw and honest saying, hey, I'm going to be in the draft after this year. But best advice is to probably just not say it at all. It's stupid, but it's yeah, just how it goes. It, it
0: really is. I mean, I, I think we all ex- I maybe I shouldn't say this. Yeah, I'll say it, whatever. I think we all expect Nick Fitzgerald there's gonna be some off field. Yeah, I mean suspension, senior quarterback. We've heard enough at this point in the season. Right. I don't I'm not, know. And I, I'm not trying to like throw a kid under the bus on the podcast. He got suspended, so I feel like we could talk yeah, about it.
2: But I don't think he's gonna have that huge impact in the NFL. I think maybe he starts some games, but I don't know that. From what I've seen from him, he's going to be Tyreek Hill level on the field.
0: Yeah, I don't know if anybody... Tyreek's a, a different animal altogether. So uh, here we go. Alex Luna. Alex Luna's been hot on the questions lately. Hot in the streets. If you guys were Cliff Kingsbury, would you take an OC job in the NFL like the Browns, or Ravens, or Cowboys, or an offensive coordinator job in college? If I were Cliff Kingsbury, I would just look at my hair. Just, just like every a, day.
2: wouldn't leave a mirror.
0: Just a year and get paid to just look at my hair and dance. Um, I think...
2: As far as NFL versus college jobs, you would have to see his specific offers, like what he's working with. If the Chiefs come knocking on your door, then hell yeah, I'm going to Kansas City and I'm going to work with a great young quarterback. If not, if you want to stay in the college game, USC, Southern California, not a bad spot to be. I would
1: go to the NFL if I was Cliff, because I think we're in this time where NFL head coaching jobs have become so volatile where, I mean, like we're talking about, there might be like seven to nine openings this offseason. If Cliff has one really good year as an OC, and I think his offense is going to work. That's the way the league is trending. He can be a head coach in the NFL within a year or two, which is crazy, but it's, it's, it's not that crazy. So if you're Cliff, if you feel passionate and you feel you can do it, and I've heard he does believe he like the NFL is. He's not one of those guys where it's like college or nothing. He is a guy that has interest in the NFL, and I've heard there are multiple teams that would already consider reaching out for him to be an OC next year. When it comes down to it, he has those opportunities, and that's why there was pause on this whole USC thing. It was very interesting. It was oh, he's agreeing to terms in principle. Now we haven't heard anything in a couple of days. I'm sure the rumors got back to him, like, hey, you got a
0: shot at this thing. Yeah, just and if, I, if I
1: was him, I'd go go for it. Go what, for the NFL.
0: One of my favorite things to do is talk on the podcast about things I don't tweet. And I this might be out there because I've been busy all weekend. But one of the things that I heard that he wasn't in LA for USC. He was in LA to maybe work with the Rams for the rest of the year. So if that shit happens, I know who I'm picking to win the Super Bowl. But that's the rumor, is that he might go to the Rams and just ride out the years like a consultant and then weigh his options in January. And there's there's no rush. So right. I, I could see that happening. And I think
2: Connor's onto something too. Like if he goes to a college team and that offense looks great, I don't think that he's going to get very many head coaching offers. We've already seen what he does as a head coach in college football. But if he can go to the NFL and prove that his system works, like Connor said, then I do think some NFL head coaching jobs are going to open up faster for him then what would happen in college football?
1: A team will sell it like they did with McVay, with the Rams, where you say, oh, hired Wade Phillips?
0: Cool. Defense is fine. Yeah, Exactly. It'll be the same thing, which is great. Uh, It's going to be amazing. I I can't wait to see where he ends up. Benny Buffet. Buffet? Buffet? The Buffet. Buffet. B-O-U-S. F F E T. All right. However you say that, what are some tips you have for just for someone just starting to watch coaches tape? You almost said it. I did. (laughs) Damn it. All right. It's been a long day. (laughs) You can't
2: include the word tips in a question for us. Uh, Let's get back to the, what are some tips you
0: have for someone just starting to watch coaches? You almost said it. Uh, So my biggest thing and it sounds so simplistic, but it's hard to do because you're trained from years of watching TV to follow the football. So what I do uh, is I pick one player and I I will do like the fucking Superman stare shooting lasers at that guy. I just watch him like, because when I watch tape, I'm watching prospects. I'm not breaking down schemes or formations. I'm watching a player. So that's what I do. Like if I'm watching the right defensive end, I, I watch him. And one thing I'll do first snap Sometimes if I either write it down or I try to remember it, I will know like their uniform, like where's a white towel, where's a a white sleeve on his right arm? Because sometimes, especially on defense or with receivers, those guys will move around. So stare a fucking hole through one guy and watch them. And, you know, it's not I think a lot of people when they scout, they try to talk too much about what they do within the framework of their scheme. And that stuff's important. But so much of what I do at this point is athleticism. Loose hips, guy can bend, he's fast. Oh, no, he has stiff. He has a stiff back. Plays with his eyes down. Just pay attention to how a guy moves. I, I think sometimes that's the most important thing.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with you, too. The first thing you have to do is stop watching like the game. It doesn't matter what else is going on. Maybe quarterbacks you look for situationally, but don't watch the football. Don't get caught up with everything else that's going on. You really got to hone in on who you're trying to watch.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing, too, that... It might even take you a while if you're new to watching coaches film, understand the guy's job. That's the most important thing. Understand what defense they're playing in. What's being asked of him. Cause there will be times you're saying, well, why didn't he make that play? It's just good to understand their role and what they were supposed to do. Some guys aren't just put on the field and uh, unleashed
0: on the offense to run around and do whatever they want. Yeah. I think that is important, especially against the run. Like, Oh my, so many times you're like, why didn't you make that play? Uh, like with yeah. pass blockers, like, why didn't you block that guy or whatever? You know, it is. It, yes. It's the same way for pass blockers or like defenders against the run. It's like, well, wasn't my gap?
2: Yeah, especially those gap responsible so, It's Like, oh, well, I can't track him down because
0: yep, that's not my job. This is where I'm going right, right. here. I'm here. Like, I'm sorry I didn't slant. That's not what right. we do. It's like going the guy who has to make fries at McDonald's isn't making your burger. It's not his job. Somebody does unless he's versatile and that'd be cool. Uh, last question, our buddy JQTV TV. Who we got to meet at the Ohio State tailgate. He has three questions, and I put them all in because he had to see his team lose. So
1: we also drove five hours from Detroit, Detroit.
0: to Columbus. Yeah, went from being Grand a Rapids.
1: Michigan
2: fan yeah. down to Columbus to watch the game yeah. with us. Great shout out to him, great listener.
0: And Connor, I don't know if we were talking over it. Connor called it out right. He was Grand Rapids. Uh, Dan Dan, 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 yeah. Dan was Detroit. So, uh, all right, three questions. Number one. Caught up on all the podcasts and got some draft on draft questions. Should the Eagles go after Cliff Kingsbury because the loss of Frank Reich and their offense needs a boost? So I know we talked about Kingsbury. He's going to be a hot name. I actually love this. It is not at all a fit with Doug Peterson because Doug is like old school West Coast. But maybe he would be open to more of a spread element. We we see it work in Kansas City right now, so you I know think it that can would be
2: a situation where maybe they bring in two coordinators. We've seen Dallas do it a lot, and you'll say this is a passing game coordinator, this is our run game coordinator, and that could work for him. But you're right with Philadelphia and just what they want to do. It's so traditional, unless they really want to get away from that. I don't know that it, it would be a fit for him, but I think it could happen. Carson Wentz would be a, a guy I'd want to hitch my wagon to uh, if yeah. I'm Kingsbury, at least for a year or two.
1: Yeah, I think some egos might have to take a back seat at times, you know, when offensive guys have certain feelings about what they want to do. But I would love to see Kingsbury there. I would just love to see, like you said, Mello, Kingsbury and Wentz. I, I think that would work. All right. The second part of uh, JQTV's question here, part two of three, I would 1,000% uh, pay the $5, 10 20 cover for summer meetups. Also, y'all doing anything for the draft combine? Yes, we are, Mr. Miller. Do you want to take the floor
0: here? Yeah, man. I've been uh, running like crazy on the Sticked Football sales team, and we have some really cool events lined up that. Uh, Cash flow. Yeah. That it sounds like we will be doing events again. Uh, we actually don't have the complete sign off from the bosses, but what the hell? Permission's better than forgiveness? Permission? Well, forgiveness is fine. Uh, it sounds like we will be back at Two Deep Brewing Company in Indianapolis the Saturday. Of the combine, which if my Google calendar will refresh, it sounds like that's me, March 2nd. So March 2nd, all things pending, we will be back at 2 Deep Brewing Company, and they have actually like offered to maybe bring a band in to play after us. So you like come in, what? you might have to pay a little bit of a cover, but you'll get a couple beers, you'll get to hang out with us, and they're gonna have a band come. So it, I, yeah, it sounds like it could be just a really fucking cool night and we don't have all a the details great spot last year. Great spot. Their beers delicious, by the way. And like, I was so upset because they gave me some to take home and I left it in my hotel room. Ugh. And it was like, oh, I, I, and then we were just there in India and we didn't have time to stop. And so it was like, hi. So I emailed them and it sounds like we're gonna be back there, though. Um, of course, that's a couple months away. Things could unfortunately change. But I will definitely be in Indy to cover the combine. So worst case scenario, you know, we'll just you know throw Mello and Connor some play tickets and we'll come down and have our own just a rogue hangout. So we'll be doing something down there for sure. We've done it before. We've definitely done it. Your guys' uh, La Quinta stay last year was uh, (laughs) was great. The La Quinta Palace. I'm in like the nicest Um, hotel in the Midwest. (laughs) You guys are. (laughs) Oh man. People thought we phones. were
1: all in our own rooms, and, yeah. and we, me and Mello, were sitting next to each other on like a twelve-inch TV watching the forty yards.
2: Having your own, like we had like lineman splits between our beds. We <laughs> could have touched hands. <laughs> if your Texas Tech offensive yeah. line
1: in your bedroom—that's yeah. uh, great. Get out of the shower, and a cockroach just flies <laughs> off my wallet. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely wonderful. um Actually, I will say this too: that I would say the indie show is my favorite. I, I love Too Deep. I think Indy brings out such an interesting crowd where like you have the fans, but you have the NFL people and you have the blend of both. And it's just a lot of fun. It was a great venue, a great space. So if you can make it to Indy, you'll get your money's worth in drinks. Good Lord. They treat you right at 2D. Yeah.
2: Another thing about Indy is like last year we did stuff for um, the Senior Bowl. And by the end of it, we were just done. We didn't want to go out anymore. We didn't want to do the live shows even. Like We were exhausted. In Indianapolis, you can't even go to the Combine. So we did have a a ton of energy. We had a good turnout. And then we crashed afterwards, like crashed hard. But it
0: it was a very good uh, one of our listener meetups. Yeah, I did not want to eat after that one. Uh, I was so tired. So last part of JQTV, and I love the boy for this. Shout out to Mama and Papa Miller. He actually took a picture with Mom. Yes.
2: Our mom, who is from Michigan, had to take a selfie with, like, all of the Michigan fans there. So she got JQTV. She got Dan Barnes. I don't remember who else. I don't either. She got. But, yeah, she had to have, a, like, a photo op with all these people from Michigan. It was great, and so was JQTV.
0: Yeah, we appreciate you guys. Like, this is the coolest thing about uh, the sick to football listeners is it really just feels like you guys are our friends and family so we definitely appreciate you guys the five hour drive from grand rapids is crazy hopefully we will get to see you at the combine and i i really hope that soon we have a lot of very exciting news coming that we we're gonna get to you guys as soon as we can some senior bowl plans some draft season plans we'll definitely throw out the combine information as soon as it's verified but just keep listening because we will know uh very very soon what's what all's going down and we have a lot of fun things planned for you guys uh including keeping this three shows a week going as we get into 2019. So it's gonna be a lot of fun Uh, for Connor and Mello. I'm Matt. Connor and I will be back Wednesday morning talking about everything going on NFL college football and draft related. We'll see y'all then.